0: So they did that, they said, you know, what's the anatomically correct name for body parts? They went over it and they were like, you know, in your mind, who is safe and who's unsafe based on like what we just talked to you about? Well, he said you, mommy, daddy, and neighbor. And they ended up finding out that the neighbor was, while he was babysitting, he was performing oral sex on the little boy.
1: Child sexual abuse, a horrendous subject for sure but Nicole Escobar, Executive Director for Trees of Hope, joins the podcast to discuss why it needs to be a conversation, especially if you're a parent. She also shares her own personal experience of being sexually abused as a child and what her techniques are while raising children of her own. So let's do it. Too many days in the darkness without a glimpse of the Running tired and broken and scared, but I swear
0: I'll never give up a fight. I see you broken and beat. had pulled down over your eyes. Every part wants to surrender, darling, you were meant to survive. With every
1: star- so where did you get into this type of work?
0: So... Well, it, it's first, let me tell you who Trees of Hope is, which will bring me to my story. So, it sounds
1: like a long story, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, it
0: is. It is. Um, yeah, so Trees of Hope is a nonprofit that has been around for about 17 years, and we have the mission of protecting the future and healing the past from sexual abuse, And so we do that with a twofold mission and um, the prevention side of what we do, we basically do prevention, outreach, educational resources, and workshops for parents, teachers, educators, volunteers, anyone who basically works with children. And on the healing side of what we do, we offer healing studies, either in lot, um, online, in person, or individual studies. And we offer those for women, men, and teen girls and teen boys. And so I bring all of that up is because Trees of Hope has been a this nonprofit that has been around, right? And and in the community in which I am in, which is a faith-based community, um you end up hearing about these ministries or these organizations and you're like, "Oh gosh, I never want to call them. I never want to deal with that organization especially when you have a history of sexual abuse and you haven't dealt with it." And that's really where my story comes into play is I was about 30 years old. I'm 40 now, um, but I was about 30 years old and I had not yet dealt with what I had been through. And that was when I was six years old, I was sexually abused by my neighbor. And so this was somebody that I knew. It's somebody that I, it wasn't a stranger is my point. And a lot of times what we hear is, oh, we have to teach our kids the stranger danger. And yes, that's very important. Seven percent of sexual abuse cases are strangers, but 93 percent of sexual abuse happens through someone a child knows, loves and trusts. Mm. And so that's really where we are leaning in and we want to partner with parents to educate them like, hey, you live in a safe neighborhood so what? You are still vulnerable. You live in a really bad neighborhood, so what? You're st- just as vulnerable as you are as the rich person that lives in Jeffrey Epstein's neighborhood. The point is, is that as a parent, you have to examine your life and your vulnerabilities and say, how is my kid potentially vulnerable? We hear all the time kids get sexually abused at church, at camps, at sleepovers, all of these things where parents are like oh my kids are safe in this atmosphere but they end up not being and so me and my family um we had a great relationship we talked all the time but our vulnerability was that i they didn't talk to me about my body they didn't talk to me about how my body functioned they didn't go over the anatomically correct names for body parts so yeah, I knew my elbow, but did I know that my vagina was my vagina or that my breasts were my breasts and that there's a difference between boys and girls? Sure. I knew it conceptually, but did I understand it? Right. And did I understand at the time that, Hey, when somebody tries to touch you in those places, you need to run away. Right. And so my parents thought, yeah. And my parents thought she's strong. She's, you know, she's a tiger, so she'll run away. And they don't realize that a lot of times with sexual abuse, there's so much more that's involved in it. There's emotional. Um, there's there's um, psychological boundaries that are already being crossed. And, yes, it's so young. So it's hard to think, like, how is a, uh, you know, a 13 year old thinking about crossing psychological boundaries? Well, they know they know how to do it. And so for me and my story, um, like I said, he was my neighbor. I knew him and he molested me and I did not leave there and run home and tell my parents. But what I did was that day I felt an instant, a new feeling of shame that I never felt before. And so I did not run home, tell my parents. But what I did was I now had a secret. And this secret, I coped keeping it through, um, as I was growing up, you know, I got involved in drugs, partying, um, you know, I was, you know, popular. So I ended up doing a lot of things where I was getting involved in different crowds that I shouldn't have gotten involved in things like that. And it wasn't until I was like 20 or yeah, 22 years old where somebody introduced me to a local church and I ended up giving my life to Christ, um but that doesn't mean my problems went away right so that's just not how it goes but what did happen is that i i turned my partying and all that other stuff into another thing which was um perfectionism and so i now was the overachiever and i excelled at everything that i did and so you know this i could you can be um on the outside look like you have it all together. You could be that person where everyone's like, man, she's got it. Right. I had a scholarship. I had, I was the leader at my school. Um, I I had, I was on the tennis team. I had all these things that on the outside looked really great. And I was a Christian and I was um a leader at my I worked part-time and went to school. And I was excelled well at my job, but my heart was a mess. And I needed healing um, for what had happened to me, because it was not only a wound that happened to me as a person physically, but it was also a wound that affected my heart and my soul. And so um, that's where Trees of Hope comes in, is I ended up running into the founder of Trees of Hope at my business. I actually couldn't avoid her one day, um, and I always you know, tried to avoid her as much as possible. And this day I couldn't, and she started talking to me and she's the type of person that she'll like, see you start talking to you and she'll ask you straight up, have you been sexually abused? So I was scared. Oh, she, was well, like, was she really? <laughs> yeah. She's like that. Every, when people know her, they're like, whoa, like she asked me that too. And I'm like, but, but thank God she did because it was that day she caught me and I said, yes. And she said, well, I have a healing study for you that you need to go through. And I was like okay, great. And then I I was like, please don't ever contact me again, please. She's like, let me get your number. She ended up texting me, calling me and had a group going. So that was back in 2014. And I ended up uh, walking through the healing study. It's 12 weeks in length, um, deals with all kinds of different things, you know, shame, guilt, um, you know, the, the dysfunction of our family. How do we lead to these things, right? It's never our fault, but there is um, contributing factors that can play into yeah. it or for why we don't speak up sooner. And so um, she prayed, I prayed, and then later asked me to leave my cushy job at the time to come and run Trees of Hope. And I did not want to do it, but I really believe that, you know, when you're called to do something, you know, you, you got to step out in faith to do it. And so I did that and it's been the greatest blessing of my life. I get to now use my story to comfort others and to bring hope to others. And that's really, you know, every project, every, um, everything that we put our heart and soul into has that mindset involved in it, which is we want to reach anyone, anywhere, for whatever reason you're not ready to come forward, we hope we meet you and we can encourage you to to step up and do it and take take charge of this chapter of your life. Take back control, really.
1: Yeah, um, Yoko Ono actually said it perfectly too. Uh, healing yourself is connected with healing others. You know, it, which is, it, it, so it really is. Uh, John Lennon's uh, wife at the time when he he got shot. Uh, yeah, because it it, it has completely worked on you. I can tell, I can tell just from speaking with you, how bubbly you are, how refreshed to life you are, um, what that, that change can be because from what you have gone through, those is without 24 years then, right. From yeah. uh, six yeah. years old to, to 30 carrying something of that weight. Now, do you remember, mm-hmm. um, do you, do you remember like as a teen and into your twenties, like the reason why you felt a lot of those things like shame and 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 guilt, do you remember the reason, or do you just remember carrying the emotions up until you really went through like the healing study to where you really exposed exactly why it was?
0: yeah, I think you know, um, I think every survivor will probably relate to this, whereas like you think it's one thing and then you deal with it and then you realize it's something. It could be some some other reason for why you didn't speak up. For me at the time, it was I believed wholeheartedly that it was my fault. I believed I did something like, hey, I'm the one who, you know, went into the bush or went into the backyard with this kid. So therefore, it is my fault, right? But that's a false belief. And so it's a lie. And I believe that lie. So as strong as I was, as brave as I was and 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 as you know, I had walls around my heart, when I was able to take an honest look inward and say, really did other little boys do that to you? Did other 13 year old kids violate you in that way? No, they didn't. So it was him who did that, not you. So I was able to, you know, and then also I was able to put in truth statements into those things, which is the truth is is, some of those things that I said, but also even if I was butt naked uh, walking down the street, it's never someone's right to violate me, period. It doesn't matter. You know, there was um, I can't remember the girl's name, but she was sexually abused by um, a kid at her school. She was raped at a party by a kid at her school. And um this is a very famous story. And I'm I can't believe I can't remember her name right now, but she wrote a memoir. And basically this kid was raping her behind a dumpster.
1: Oh, and- yeah. It was a uh, Brock Turner.
0: Yes. Thank but you. A swimmer. Yes. So she said about him, she, or she said about the situation, my sexual abuse when I'm because he said she was drunk, you know. And and the reality is, is yeah, drunk should get me a hangover, not rape right yeah. so the consequences of being drunk is a hangover they're what i'm allowing to happen to my own body like you have no right to tell me what happens to my body yeah so yeah um those were some things and then as i walked through healing you know i i realized that you know although i thought i had this very strong relationship with my parents um there was so much shame in my own family dynamic of talking about again like our bodies um you know I got my I remember getting my first period and and my mom at the dinner table like brought out ketchup and like was like Nicole got her period and was like making oh, a yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like okay no wonder y'all like I didn't feel super confident to come talk about this, you know? Yeah. And so you know they felt a lot of regret after when I did expose it and tell I told them about it. Um but I also don't want them to think it's their fault because again the blame is on the the perpetrator, not my family. My family is to blame for being naive, but is that really their fault? You know.
1: Yeah. The, the, the catch-up thing I, I would think would come from like a, a, a dad, I could see a dad doing something more so that, you know what I'm saying? we like, they don't know how to handle it. They're just trying to make a dad joke out of it yeah. when they are so above their head. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> you know what
0: I'm yeah. I do have to say like, I, my dad is the coolest. I'm a daddy's girl through and through. So yeah, my yeah. dad, for some reason, just had like a sensitive he's he was sensitive towards me on those things yeah
1: when do you uh, speaking of parents when do you think it is uh like is there a too early time to have those conversations with what your body parts are because i gotta think like if i'm a parent and i have a six-year-old um boy or girl i gotta think all right well it's probably way too early to have that conversation but at the same time like to avoid situations like like you were in to where you don't know what's right or wrong. And if somebody touches you here, that is wrong. And you need to tell me immediately. I mean, is there a time that's too soon then to even have that conversation?
0: So in my perspective, and this is what we teach at Trees of Hope is no time is too soon. It's just um, age appropriate, right? So for instance, I have two boys, one is six months. So obviously I'm not going to talk to him, but the other one is 18 months. So I'm now when I'm washing him, I mean, This may sound silly, but like I'll like wash underneath his arms and I'm like, I'm washing your elbow, I'm washing your shoulders, I'm washing your penis, and I make it like a very natural flow. Um... I try to use these conversations in everything that he does. So when I pull up his pants, his um, underwear, I just say, reminder, no one sees anything that's in your no-no spot, you know, your no-no square. And for a boy, a no-no square is like your penis and your anus, anything that falls underneath your bathing suit. For a young girl, that would be her, you know, breasts and her vagina. But the truth is, is that the more shame the parent has in talking about these things, the more shame the child's gonna have mm. so being open being honest recognizing there is a difference between male and femaleness right and so being comfortable talking about those things yes mommy has mom like if i i don't do this uh because i am fostering so i do try to be very cautious about how i dress um as in with my son i would take him into the shower with me but with my foster child i wouldn't um but i have worn my sports bra in the shower And he's grabbed me in those areas like, what is that? And I'm like, those are mommy's breasts. But I don't sit there and be like, oh, my God, don't, you know, don't touch that. Don't look at that. Because that then all of a sudden he's like, oh, there's a sense of shame attached to this area of her body. Now, we also don't want to encourage them going out and touching other kids in those areas. Right. So you also want to talk about, hey, those are private. And when we say private, that means that you, they know you're, they're not to be exposed. It is, it is a body part like your elbow, but it's not to be exposed as freely as your elbow.
1: No, that's a good point to try to normalize it, but to a appropriate level, you know, you're not sure. going to go and, and start talking about like sex and so too, way too early, but obviously just for them to ha- be able to have those defense mechanisms, if they are at like a summer camp or, or, yeah. or whatnot, which is. And it's very scary to know that like as a parent, you do have to have a arms distance length with everybody that comes into your child's life, which is so disappointing to really like learn. I guess it's like coming out of ignorance, I guess, where it's like learning what is a true predator because a true predator is not someone who is dressed like. You know, with the scary horns and and so forth, but that true predator is your sometimes dressed as your best friend, disguised as nice and caring and supportive, and then just do and then and then doing possibly horrendous things. So it is so wild to think about that. Like that is something that right now, I mean, you you really have to put in more effort in that regard over the stranger danger scenario because it's so much more likely to happen from someone you know and that is it's a pretty wild concept that even like the 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 country and where we live in 2020 in the year 2023 that that is something that we have to do is an armed distance because it it's saddening to me because it's it's um another dig at the destruction of community a sense of community. oh yeah
0: yeah and the truth is is that this has always been here but i think you know like there's a nostalgic uh view like i th- when i think of my childhood, I just got on my bike, rode down to the street, down the street to a market. And just, I picked up pizza. I mean, I was smoking cigarettes at like 12 years old, things I shouldn't have been doing. But at the same time, there was a freedom, right? But my parents, they didn't think like that. They didn't think like, oh, they thought as long as she's back by five, you know, we're good here. Meanwhile, there was people that, I, I, you know, that got involved in our lives, like this neighbor who should never have been involved in our lives. And if my parents were a little bit more involved in my life, they would have seen like, Hey, this is a red flag. And so just, you know, to sort of piggyback on what you said, you mentioned um, some of the things that like parents have to look out for. The truth is, is that the the predators who are coming after kids, they're going to be people who probably are going to have jobs around children. So, yeah, it's like if somebody's starting to babysit, offer babysitting for free. Why? You know, no one wants to babysit. I have kids, but I'm never going to offer for free or hang out. Sure, you want to drop your kid off for like an hour? No problem. But not hours. I don't. And buying gifts, sending toys, um, spending lots of time around you and your family. That should be like a red flag. Like, hey, something is wrong here. And, you know, you the the truth is, is that when we talk with people who've been sexually abused and their parents and their family in total, you always ask like, hey, were there any red flags? And at first they'll probably say, oh, no, you know, he like, just like you said, he was he was so sweet. He was so nice. He was so helpful. Um, he would always offer to take my kid to um, his sports games. He would give him he would buy him a helmet or buy him. OK, well, those are red flags. Right. Those are red flags. Unfortunately, what was meant for good has distort has been distorted, you know, and so that's the unfortunate thing. So, yeah, that's we always encourage parents, check your circle, check your um, kids circle. So know the kid, too, because kids can sexually abuse other kids. Yeah. You know, and don't and trust your gut and also don't bypass things as that's just kids being kids. Because that's where things can be, you know, yes, kids can be just kids. Like, but when you start seeing kids, maybe like masturbating in public, that's not kids just being kids. That's a red flag. Um, Kids laying on top of other kids naked with an erection. That's not kids. That's not um, exploratory, right? Something is wrong there. So yeah, you want to look into those things. A kid pulling down his pants, showing his penis not a big deal. But if he's erect, there's something we want to look into that. And so, you know, yeah, there's when, when we do prevention workshops, we kind of go through and talk with people. We ask them if you're, you know, courageous enough to stand and talk about anything that's happened in your life. And we usually get people stand and they say, you know, this happened to my kid, blah, blah, And they'll always share okay, that those were some of the red flags, like those were some of the things that were happening. And we did pap- swept it under the rug as exploratory, or not a big ba- or kids just being kids, and you just can't anymore.
1: Where do you think some of this um, comes from? You know, do you think it's, it's, you know, you always have the discussion nature versus nurture on yeah. on things. And I like, go just completely back and forth whatever topic it is on nature versus inertia. Cause you can make a direct argument for both and be like, that is a very good argument, but then there are direct counters to that. And I mean, like, like for example, like Carl young once said, the healthy man does not torture others. Generally it is the tortured who turn into the torturers, you know? And I'm like that, that does make sense. And in a lot of cases, that is the case where deep down, like a lot of these, um, people who turn into the child molesters were molested once as a child but then like i mean i look at nicole and i'm like that's obviously not the case that is a direct um you know conflict of that argument which is somebody who has turned that completely the opposite almost like this um this one uh episode of of criminal minds where uh this uh you know the show criminal minds yeah where the uh fbi agent was um like arresting a like a serial killer who was like uh, I think raping like a lot of people and, and killing them. And his uh, brother, his own brother was a, a murderer himself. And at the end of the episode, I'll never forget. It was a really good writing on the producers. Cause he had said, you know, some, pe- some people who had experienced trauma as a child, some grew up to kill them, uh, mm-hmm. some grow up to kill, and then some grow up to catch those who kill meaning himself. And I mm-hmm. thought it was a really great insight because, it it, it kind of counters that, that the narrative of like the, um, nature or nurture really. Um, mm-hmm. and there's, there's a lot of, a lot of different research out there, but I'm like, I'm like wondering, you know, have you ever had like in your own experience and through healing, um, through your healing studies, have you ever like come across somebody who has like acknowledged that like, um, they've gone through experiences as as a child and either have thoughts or have like, um, or i'm not sure if you guys ever have like worked in workshops with 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 people who have like admitted to pedophilia interests at all and 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 where that possibly has has come from
0: yeah um i mean no we i mean not openly but you never know um but I I have watched a documentary on a guy who was a pedophile who basically lived the life of he's he was a convicted person who acted on it prior to this documentary and then then lived the life of not acting on it. Mm. But it's very much like, I mean, and you can totally cut this out. So I'm but I my thoughts are always. I go back to, it's a soul issue. It's a heart issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we fuel our heart with good things, right? Like um, the Bible talks about how the tongue has the power to give life or to give death. And so, you know, if I'm a parent and I'm pouring into my children, investing into their lives by giving them fuel, like of, positive words always encouraging them trying to be there trying to be supportive you know when they talk to me about stuff i have an understanding spirit um i talk through it with them i try not to shame them make them feel like bad for who they are and the things that they feel yeah um but just try to be an uplifter and 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 really of life giver, right? I do think that that child is going to really be on a good path to never act out. Now you have a kid who comes from a home where they're being physically, mentally abused and their words of the words that they're getting are words of death of like, you're a loser, you're a piece of crap. Well, yeah, who I think I am is who I'm going to be, right? So yeah, I'm going to probably act out on those things. And yes, I do think that Um, pedophilia is a mental disorder I really do and I think that they're believing a lie that this is their desire and I know that desire but desires can be tamed you know I have a desire to be a million dollar lifestyle but I also have a budget that says no you don't like and check yourself so I'm able to tame that through discipline through actions through repetitive things day day in and day out where I stop that. So I think it's very similar. So if I fuel my desires, my pedophilia desires with pornography that shows children as just being, you know, acts of um does my desires being acted out on, yeah, I'm probably going to be acting that out and being like a really bad person to society. But if I'm somebody who I recognize I have this desire and I can learn to tame it, and I can, you know, and I really do believe like, you know, you need help with that. So it's getting around the right community. it's it's going to community groups. I mean, I think that's why AA is so important is being a part of a group of people that say, we feel the same way you do, but we're gonna root you on. We're rooting on. You know, you got this. We got this. You got this. So we're in this together, right? And so I would say that you know those are some of the things. Also, you know, watching your atmosphere, watching what you look at, watching what you listen to.
1: Very important. And
0: yeah, and and keeping yourself away. Like I wouldn't if I'm if I've ever had a desire for a child, I probably wouldn't go work at an elementary school.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm gonna go work at you know, maybe go work in a machinery, like work somewhere totally away from that.
1: When it's the opposite, you know, a lot of times it's, that's where they desire to go. It's not even like a circumstance that gets them there. It's like, no, I want to be a gym teacher or so.
0: Yeah. Cause basically what they've told themselves is who cares? You can't overcome this. So why not lean deeper into it?
1: Yeah. Which is such a a fatal mistake. Fatal
0: fatal fatal it's it's again it's me going to the mall every day and walking around clothes and being like you know acting like as if and and then i'm buying them and and i'm i'm fueling my desire for those clothes it's just it's stupid get out of that atmosphere
1: yeah and i'm I'm sure the, the scary thing is that i'm sure there's a lot of people that are are like that that are like trying to avoid their self, their self indulgences of that. Sure. And taking into account though, the amount of, pe- that's not including the amount of people that are acting on it though. Cause you, because now you have a humongous portion of people that are susceptible, very yeah. susceptible to acting out on it. And they're not even included in the people that are acting out of it. Cause I, I think that there's a, the people that are not acting out on it in any way, Mm-hmm. Then you have the people that are acting out on it in a virtual way, kind of like a crawl, yeah. walk, run. You know where yeah. they're they're on the computer doing, it. and then you have the people that have probably graduated from the computer to actually doing it in real life. And yeah. we only know about a third of that amount of people, which you know there's there's seven hundred fifty thousand sex offenders in the United States, and we only know a third of the people acting out. Which by the time they hit that level, that's i say a third of it but that's probably if there's three categories with the least amount of people it's probably that one because they've reached the highest level of it which most people probably don't do so now you have the lower two lower tiers that are including way more people in the third tier and we don't know about those people at all which is insane that this right. is not like a bigger thing than it is because it's right. a big thing, but like this should be talked about like almost on a daily life schedule, which kind of re- it reminds me of like uh, um, uh it being so bad that it's become normalized. Like the shootings in Chicago where every single weekend mm-hmm. there's 45 people that got shot in Chicago. And I'm like, right. how, how is this not a thing? But right. like, it's so bad that it's become normalized. And it's just like, like ha- how do we, unnormalize it or at least just make it like a, a red alarm going off because i had a um, the national center for missing and exploited children on the podcast a couple episodes yeah. ago and they uh you know that morning before the podcast i just looked up the amount of uh cases that yeah. day of exploiting children sexually whether that yeah. was actual sexual abuse whether that was somebody getting arrested for pornography or you know, a huge thing was installing the cameras. That was a huge, that's a huge thing right now, which is installing hidden cameras. And that morning alone throughout the United States on the first Google page alone, there was eight separate cases of someone being arrested across the country um, related to some sort of uh, child exploitation sexually and that was me staying on the first page of google that morning alone so when i typed it in it was really just all the local news covering it from missouri can um yeah. missouri florida Carolinas, all over the country and the prevalence of it is um it's really hard to understand the prevalence of it and it's why it was um when we were talking earlier about really like the you really have to have a lack of trust with mm-hmm. people first um yeah. and put up that one arm arms length yeah. with people and especially i like that you had had said really you know you should be factoring in the time that somebody wants to spend with your child whether it's just like all right i'm we're driving to practice i'm picking this your child up to go to practice that makes sense as for functionality purposes but that stop for ice cream and the walk through the park afterwards is really um a huge huge red flag on that because it it reminded me of uh i was watching a uh documentary on um the ancient romans and marcus aurelius is uh like a really really i'm not sure if you ever saw the movie the gladiator um but in the beginning where he strolls in um uh crow strolls in and that's marcus aurelius there and he there's a uh, i watched a documentary on rome and marcus aurelius had said to Commodus, his son, he was in the, just left the Senate chambers and all the senators are filing out. He turns to his son and says, don't trust any of them, you know? And it really like, it it reminds me of this because not that like, you want to have that relationship with like like the coaches and people that are around your child all all the time, but having that mindset of like, don't trust. Trust is earned gradually. Definitely not over time. And like that person earns their way in. It's very hard. It's very, it's gotta be very hard being a parent today um, with the amount of little time that you have with your, your, your child um, to be able to facilitate this. But um, really it's, it's, it's wild.
0: Yeah. It's really, it's, it's being very intentional in every area of their life. So you know, if you're somebody that has to keep bring your kids to daycare, it's not just, oh, hey, local daycare, cool. It's, hey, do your due diligence, do your Google reviews, call. You want to go walk the property. You want to meet the people who are going to be around. You want to ask their policies and procedures of like, hey, how many adults are allowed to be back in here? How many adults are, are touching my kid as in, um, not physically touching, but like, Like, does does the janitor just walk in? Does he clean when the kids are here? Like those kinds of things. Are parents allowed to just walk in the back? And, you know, if you need a babysitter, vet those people, go on their social media, make sure their values align with yours. A lot of times you're going to find, you know, if someone's partying and if they're politically doing different things that are not your political alignment, you want to, you know, maybe not have them because the reality is that you don't know what they're thinking when they're around your kid. And you want to make sure that you're, you know, just being intentional, doing your due diligence in every area. Don't just trust churches because they're church, right? I I have so many churches, so many kids who come to us who have been sexually abused at the church. It's unfortunate, but it's the way that it goes. So yeah, it sucks that you have to be extra now thing. And the reason why we don't talk about it all the time is because even if we did talk about it all the time, it would still... It would be too much for people to deal with, because the truth is, is if statistics are true, that means one in three girls, one in six boys have been sexually abused by the age of 18. It's a lot of people in America. So in America alone. So can you imagine if we like every day we talked about it? It's It's like, okay, I've been through this thing. I don't want to deal with it. I'm talking about it, you know, and it's not going to get people to get going, unfortunately. So that is the 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 rub that we have at Trees of Hope is like, how do we encourage people? How do we say, hey, deal with it? So but it's you're dealing with it more so that you can prevent it from happening in your own family. And yeah, it's this, but people like you who are willing to have these conversations are really the champions and really the, the, the partners that we need in life, like any ministry or any organization that's doing this hard work.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, invaluable because I mean, it could just spark a, like, even though like some of the stories we were talking about, like somebody, you know, oh, let's go get ice cream or something like that. I could spark, oh wait, yeah, that person my life did that with my kids is a little weird you're probably right if if you have that thought of that seemed off like that might be, be right yeah, yeah that um that really might be something there that you might want to look into or just do a little uh do a little deeper dive on you know or especially like if um like you were talking earlier with people um with kids molesting each other like if there's parents are never home, you Mm -hmm. know, that usually leaves in an open case of just breeding for things that could happen, especially if there's one, because all it takes is one kid there. Cause I I was a kid. All it takes is one kid to be in a room with 10 other really well-behaved kids. And Mm -hmm. all it takes is that one kid. And, and within like four hours, five hours, if there's no supervision, I mean, there could be some wild shit going on.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's why I'm saying like, if you were in a room with 10 kids, I bet you three of them had been sexually abused or at least four of them had been sexually abused. So how do I know what those kids are doing? And like, like some of the things my brother would tell me that he used to, or that kids would do to him is like I said, laying on top of him naked. And I'm like, Dude, you were sexually abused. Like, hello, and he was like, no, no, big, but I, and always making an excuse. And it's like, well, until you're at a place where you can honestly say, like, hey, that violated me. That set me up for. That set me up and opened up a sexual world that I wasn't ready for yet. Right. So it may not have been sexual abuse, but it it was, it was not life giving. It was taking right? And yeah, it was setting yeah. him up for failure, you know? So, um, and I hear those stories all the time and I'm like, okay, maybe not full on sexual abuse, but it wasn't beneficial to you.
1: Yeah. Cause people immediately think of like the, the full on rape scenes, like, uh, sure. from, uh, who is that, uh, a uh, Sandusky in, yeah. um, oh, yeah. state, you know, which, yeah. um, is not, which actually, by the way, I, I almost went to, actually. um, uh, really? in uh, yeah. In, uh, that Penn state football camp, uh, I was in seventh and eighth grade at the time. And my f- uh friend had gone there for the last like three years the Penn state football camp. And we we're just about to get into high school. So we were going to go to the football camp. Um, cause we all played football, but I was, I told my parents, like, I wasn't going to play football in high school until I was a senior. Um, I wanted to concentrate on like other sports. So my parents didn't see like any, like, all right, if you're not going to play in, um, in high school to later on, then you're you know, there's no point in you going to the football camp. So I actually um I didn't go just because of that point, but I really, really did want to go. And I don't you know, obviously I don't think anything happened to my my friends specifically, but that yeah. was like that was like Sandusky prime time was um yeah. a, around them, which is wild how close right. how close um you are to a uh, to a lot of these things and how how many people how many people have been affected you probably know way more people that were affected than, than you actually think you know right now
0: sure and the other thing that to add to that is you know maybe looking at your own life I mean I don't know what made you not vulnerable like right and so look at that it wasn't trust me it wasn't that you know I don't know your family background or anything like that but you know a lot of these kids came from they they were rich they were kids that they just yeah. parents just kind of sent them off wasn't invested they had family units that just you know maybe didn't have open lines of communication and he knew that it's just you know there's vulnerabilities in all families it's just really being honest with yourself and saying what's mine what's my vulnerability and so i definitely don't stand here and say like i have none i have plenty my husband works full-time i'm i'm t- i'm the primary caretaker of my kids I'm the one who um, takes them in and out, goes to various like parks and playgrounds and things like that. So my vulnerability is I've got two kids under two years old, one in a stroller, one's running around. And I'm trying to you know keep attention on both. That's the stranger danger part. My vulnerability could be that I have a neighbor who's like, hey, I see that you're really busy. Yeah. I would love to help, you know, tell like your son if he wants to come on over and hang out at my house, he can you know a mom who's maybe uneducated would be like let's go get them on over there yeah, right yeah, but yeah, no yeah. that's not that so that would be a vulnerability so you know yeah. it's really just being honest with ourselves and and um and also when they're when like these things happen or like a red flag comes up in school in you know church or whatever youth camp anything and you go whoa that was weird you don't just go whoa that's weird Okay, fluff it off or like, oh, maybe my kid's lying because they have a history of lying or whatever. You be that pit bull tiger parent and go deal with it right away because you never know. I could tell you a story. The reason actually why our prevention program even started at Trees of Hope is because we went, did a prevention workshop. We had this information, just very general, like we were just like learning ourselves and teaching it and a parent's there she goes home talks to her husband she says i learned that we should be teaching our kids anatomically correct name for body parts and talking about who's safe and unsafe so i want to talk to our son and make sure that he knows that we're the safe people and no one else is so they did that they said you know what's the anatomically correct name for body parts they went over it and they were like you know in your mind who is safe and who's unsafe based on like what we just talked to you about well, he said, you, mommy, daddy, and neighbor. And they ended up finding out that the neighbor was, while he was babysitting, he was performing oral sex on oh, the man. little boy. So it's important that, you know, yeah, you, you don't just, you know, mom, obviously this was heartbreaking for her, but you don't just write it off as, oh, whatever.
1: How old was the boy?
0: He was like six or seven, like oh, you know, just the kid. Yeah, but- Old enough to, you know, speak up like he wasn't like an infant, but he was. But again, when you've got somebody who you look up to, like your babysitter, that's been your neighbor for years that your parents welcome into their home, you and for what and you don't know what he's saying to him either. You know, he could have been saying, don't tell your mom or dad or whatever. Yeah. Um, Or every time, you know, you do this, I'm going to tell your mom or dad that you're gay. Right. And these, these could be Christian parents. And now he's like, I'll never going to tell anybody. Right. So it's definitely gets harder and they don't just use sexual abuse. It's just, it's not just physical. Like I said before, it's also a mental mind game that these people do on you on, on the child a lot of times.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. And I mean, in your, um, in your podcast, which is not just a hashtag podcast is what it's called, which is an awesome podcast. Um, Everyone should go, should go over right after this episode and go check it out because it's awesome. You put it, you put it in perfectly, um, which is describing sexual abuse as a devastating form of betrayal, which yes. is really like the perfect way to put it because it's, you're, like you said, looking up to somebody and like, you want to please them in the Best way possible, and not like show them any sign of weakness or or like nonconformity, especially when you're a child. So like for you to like not do anything that they're going to ask you, it would be devastating to you to see them be disappointed in you. So you're really just um, for, trying to form a, a stronger relationship, especially at that age exactly. of, of of six. I mean, geez, you're yeah. you're you're way too young to even realize that the dynamics of manipulation. And, yeah. and then of course the, the betrayal when, you know, obviously it eventually comes down down the road or you just know it yeah. and won't, and won't tell anyone which you've gone through both. Yeah. um But that, that was a perfect way to put it.
0: Yeah. And it's sorry, but you just totally reminded me of another reason why, um because I heard this when I was younger and I giggled at it, like so silly, which is we need to ask kids for consent to touch their bodies. And now I do. And do I ask my kid, can I touch your body? Can I change your diaper? No. But when I'm bathing him and I'm like, mommy's going to touch your pee-pee or mommy's going to touch your penis. Is that okay? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that. I have to still clean him. That's the reality. But what I'm doing is I'm setting him up to know your body is your own. And when somebody wants to touch you, they have to ask for consent. And what that looks like is sometimes my dad, you know, I'm Italian. We come from a kissing family. Uh, My dad called me ghoulie growing up, which is butt. Um, He likes to smack butts, pinch butts, do all this stuff. And I told him, do not, for for my sons, please make sure you're asking them all the time. If they don't want to kiss you, you move on, right? Don't make a big deal about it. Oh, like don't let him feel like he has to please you through giving you a kiss. And I struggle with this too because my one son, um, he used to be like my little lover. And now um his new thing is like, I'll be like, give mommy a kiss. And he's like, oh, and he like looks away. And truly my heart is broken. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, little ponky butter, give me a kiss. And I <laughs> I go, I go, that's fine. You give me a kiss when you're ready, buddy. I'm here for you. And of course he yeah. always runs over and gives me a kiss. But what I'm basically setting him up for is you can say no to adults when they want something from you through your body
1: yeah that that culture setting you just put is uh is tough um really is because you're people are used to like the hellos and goodbyes I used to work predominantly in a um uh hispanic setting and everybody everybody kiss on the cheek kiss on the cheek but like the thing is, like when when somebody has feelings for another person, that that kiss is so much more and so much further. And there's a little grab or you know, or, or somebody you know, like like they just take advantage of it fully. Sure. They fully take advantage. So I was the only one, the only one to where like I would pull back and go, oh, no, pound, 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 like, you know, the fist on the fist. And I would yeah. laugh and giggle. So it's not like weird. Um, but I like there was a couple times, especially when I first started working there, you know, they um there'd be two there was, I remember, I remember specifically two um, women back to back. We're like, Oh, Hey, mm, and, and, you know, they lean in to show me their kiss and I oh, would yeah. pull back and go no pound um, oh, yeah. because Hey, like, I don't want to um, I've seen g- guys are the biggest uh, um, you know, I, w- I don't want to say perpetrators, but g- guys are the, the, the b- biggest ones that will take advantage of that situation. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Well, they'll lean in give a huge hug and so forth. And I was like, I don't want to be one of those guys, or be accused of being one of those guys. And B, like, I don't want um, somebody to do that to me, and like get an extra grab or something like that. Sure. You know? because, yeah. I, because now you're like you're having to deal with that at work, and it's it's weird. So I, I know exactly what you uh, what you were talking about because that <laughs> is a that is a big thing today too. Because people don't want yeah. to let go of that, and it really is a nice uh, cultural traditional thing. But you know, obviously within. Everyone has that. I feel like everyone has that, those uncle stories of. Uh, oh yeah.
0: <laughs> my uncle he used to force me to kiss him on the lips. I could not kiss him on the cheek and I hated it. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until I was like 35 that I told my dad, my dad was like, I didn't know that. Like now he's like ready to kill the guy. And I'm like, it's all good, dad. I said, but what that did was it was a part of a bigger thing, which was your body's not your own. Right. Yeah. So you know that's important that we, as parents, you know. I know you're not a parent, but as and then what you're doing is exactly right. It's just basically, you know, yo, step back. I'm not gonna give you a kiss. And yeah. I, my husband's Latin, and so I know his whole family's Latin, and they always want to. And I'm like, whoa, bro, yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah no. you're, looking,
1: you're looking like Floyd Mayweather there, yeah. dip, dipping and diving, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> like nope, nope, yeah. So I get yeah. it, 100.
1: <laughs> oh, I gotcha. you. I uh, this is um all uh super great nicole i i appreciate you so much for coming on today and and chatting with this humongous important issue hopefully um we can chat again down the road um mm-hmm. with some with some great news and some more stories of you you helping other people and and learn more about your healing studies and how more people have gone through that and and maybe have a, a similar perspective now from where they came from mm-hmm. to where they are today like like you do
0: Yeah, of course, anything, anytime. I'm always, you know, I say I'm always available, but, you know, within the confinements of like my schedule. But absolutely, I would love to do that because I think, like you said, this is a topic that needs to be discussed and we are a local help for people. And anyone who's listening, you know, I'm the type, I really believe that things happen for a reason. So I'm not just on here because just you needed a spot filled. I'm on here because I really believe that fate brought us together and there's someone out there that needs the help that we offer and please utilize us this is the knock on your heart that you've been looking for
1: yeah if and you're talking directly to the people that need it too um yeah. and when where can they they find you guys if uh if they do want to reach out
0: sure so treesofhope.org is our website um but like you mentioned not just a hashtag podcast is our podcast And you can find all of our resources uh, there, all of our healing studies, our upcoming group studies. We have online um, studies. So if you're not ready for the group setting, which I totally get, that's why we created them. um, The online version is there to be at your pace, your time, wherever you are. If you're not in South Florida, cool. You can be in Africa and you can still watch them. Um, we send everybody a box of hope and that's filled with our own curriculum and a journal affirmation cards, and just really, um, something to help you get through to this successfully through the group. And it's awesome. So,
1: okay, well, thanks. Um, thanks for all that, Nicole. I, uh, yeah. appreciate it and, um, helping parents and children everywhere. So obviously, uh, can't thank you enough.
0: Yeah. Back at you. Thank yes. you.
1: And we will chat down the road, Nicole. <laughs>
0: For sure.